Hey, so here we are in Skeveland. I'm your guide, Alan McDonnell, and today's guest is Buzz Osborne, the guitarist, singer, principal songwriter, and along with drummer Dale Crover, the guiding creative force behind the Melvins. Kurt Cobain once wrote that Buzz Osborne showed him how to play guitar. So we could be talking today about Kurt and Courtney, Sharon Osborne, Dave Grohl, or any number of high-interest persons. But that's not who we end up talking about. In fact, I'll need to do very little talking at all on this visit to Skeveland. Take it away, Buzz Osborne. So, golf. I love golf. But people look at you and they, they think golfer, obviously, right? Yeah, clearly. Yeah. yeah. What are your duds on the golf country course? Country clubs love me. <laughs> I bet. What, what you... Actually, I'm not allowed on most country clubs. So, so how do you play? Just... Uh, well, I, you know, dressing-wise, I just dress. I wear a golf shirt because they're easier to golf in. They're kind of cut different than normal shoes. Do you wear shirts. black? Is it all yep, black Yeah, I out wear there? black. Oh, always, I always wear black. I just wear my normal pants and golf shoes. That's it. So no matter what the weather, you have you have black. What about a That's hat? It. No, I, I don't wear a hat, no. So no protection? You just well, if it's really hot, uh, I have a golf uh, a push cart that I use that I'll put an umbrella on sometimes. Mm-hmm. So so I, I golf like a, a Korean woman. So you're, you're under the umbrella as you're moving Pushing, from, yeah. from shot to shot. Yep. And then stand the, as much as can. Most most of the guys that I play with are riding in carts, which I can't stand carts. Yeah. I can't do it. I want to I want to walk the course. That's what I want. I want to feel my gra- feet on the ground all the time uh-huh. if I can. It's good. But I, you know the thing is, is I, I always as a kid, up until I was about twelve, I loved playing sports. I still love playing sports. But what I hated was the people who played sports. Yeah. I hated the people who coached sports. I couldn't. I walked away from it when I was about twelve or thirteen. The coaches are tough. Couldn't deal with it, yeah. and uh, I was good at it. I was good at sports. I was always good at sports. Like well, like baseball, football, baseball, tennis, football, whatever. You know, I mean, most people don't know this, but when I was in ninth grade, I was a letterman, a varsity letterman on the tennis team. <laughs> like a high school varsity. Yeah. yeah. And how weird is that? When I was in ninth grade, quit after ninth grade, and the coach begged me to play. I just wouldn't do it. I couldn't face it again couldn't make myself do it besides i was too busy partying so yeah what was this this is up in uh washington state yeah, yeah. but so i've always loved sports um well what are, where, where are you headed today after this i'm going to a dodger game to watch baseball i don't really pay attention to most sports um i don't like sports that involve clocks usually um like, why is that because I, I like a, i like the that tension at the end like a basketball at the very end was there's a three-point differential, whatever, and, and all that pressure. It creates all that pressure. Are you just not, like, really into all the pressure? I don't like clock as a weapon. I don't like it uh, as a strategy. Yeah. Like in tennis or golf or bowling, you have to finish. Yeah, yeah. You finish. And in baseball, you didn't lose because you didn't get a chance to win. You got as many chances as the other team got, right, right. and you lost. One thing I like I, that. I don't know. like about the clock is like they stop it, like the the strategic stopping of the clock where it breaks up the flow. And like that has never really amused me that much. The last two minutes of a basketball game are about forty minutes. Yeah, that's <laughs> never great. Like then I go make a sandwich and then I'll get a recap later. Yeah. Plus, with basketball, I mean, I like it okay, but um, what's weird to me is that, uh, 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 and I'm no expert when it comes to basketball, but what it seems like to me is that the scores today are the same as they were in the '60s, which seems weird because in the '60s they did not have a three-point line or or a 25-second shot clock, right. and the scores are the same. You know, they could dog it as much. How is that possible? Does that just mean the guys now are no good? No, Terrible. Good. I think they're pretty what good. is it? They look pretty good. Does that mean Pete Maravich would have had 150 point games? Maybe. With a three point maybe. line? Maybe you know? he would have. Does that mean guys today can't shoot from outside? I mean, it doesn't. But you it see makes no sense. Our, it doesn't make you any know? sense because you see that guy from uh, Golden State just like 
draining them, draining them, draining yeah, them. I don't know. I don't, yeah, I'm not. I'm no expert yeah. in basketball. But. Basketball is crazy because the thing is, like, the level of athleticism and their precision, it's it's unbelievable. And, the, and yeah. then also, like, there's a certain kind of grace sometimes. Like, there's this grace to it. I like basketball a lot. They're mutants. I don't really pay attention. They are mutants. <laughs> They're I mean, mutants. No, you ever if you've ever been like yeah. in line at Whole Foods or something, all of a sudden like two professional basketball <laughs> yeah. players are there. Yeah. And you're just like, what the fuck? Yeah. One time I was at Whole Foods and it was two professional football players. Oh and, yeah. And I was just like, this is not the same. They're I'm, mutants. I'm, yeah, I'm not from They're the monsters. same planet. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, uh, and they're very casual about it. They're very yeah. casual with one another, and they they're have very to casual be. with me. Whatever. Yeah. But still. Horf- in a way, awesome. Awesome is in kind of horrifying. But they're not normal. No, they're, they're not normal, normal people. Normal. And um, they have always been, I would guess, professional athletes have always been uh, set aside and, and, and uh, uh, idolized and, and made into, you know, like uh, uh, heroes their entire lives. And they've also always you know? been winners. Always they're, won they're everything. Always been winners. That's yes. Like, like when you get to the professional level yeah. and you see like like a losing team, right? And you look at the guys on the losing team. Like this is such an alien thing to them. They're sitting there. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they're not like the they're not they're not champions. No. They're losers. They got to really try. How did this fucking happen to them? Yeah. It's, it's like it's like gotta be a head trip. It's gotta be crazy. It's like you're yeah. in this, this the you know on the planet of the of the super beans. Yeah. And then you're kind of like a, a like a low grade super bean. Yeah, I was at a game one time in Phoenix, um, a Dodger game, and uh, when you're in a, at an away game, the uh, um, Dodgers take BP second, batting practice second, and so usually when you go to Dodger Stadium, the Dodgers are already done by the time you get in, and so we were there in Phoenix, and we're watching the Dodgers take batting practice. We have these amazing seats, and we're really close. There's nobody there, and I noticed one of the Dodger players, this guy that I recognize, is talking to a guy in the stands next to us, and I look over, and the guy has all this Astro stuff on, on. And, and then I realize he's, he's a scout. And then I realize the guy he's talking to was from Phoenix. And so then I asked the guy, had grown up in Phoenix, and I asked the guy, I go, oh, so are you a scout for the Astros? Yeah, I'm a scout for the Astros. And they go, well, did you know that guy when he was playing around here in Phoenix? He goes, we've been going to that kid's game since he was in seventh grade. <laughs> It's like seventh grade, and it's like, and this guy retired this year was never a superstar. Right. He was really good. But you know, he's not even a he's not even a high level, and they're already there. So you think a seventh grade kid's got there's a guy guys here from the Astros? What? It's like that's just a mental trip that normal people can't imagine. I remember when I was in junior high, like the you know the the counselors would try and tell you like the likelihood of you being able to make a living yeah. as a pro athlete. And then they would parse it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I feel it might be the same as a musician. Oh, yeah, yeah. I feel like you have beat the odds. Like, my yeah. wife, Teresa, I have a wife named Teresa McAllen, and she and I were talking about this last night. Like, you have really beat the odds. Oh, yeah. To <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. I mean, the joke is uh, the difference between the lottery and making money playing music. You have a chance with the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> But it seems like it's a lot of work too. Like, yeah. make, like you have like a different attitude than someone who might think they're going to be a diva rock star or whatever, or some kind of special person. It seems more like the attitude of a, of a long haul truck driver. Like, like, yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's it's a. Uh, I never, I never had anybody underwriting what I was doing ever. I never had um, uh, a situation where uh, I was in a in a in a position I could lose a lot of money doing what I was doing. I couldn't afford to lose any money. Yeah, for a long time. And uh, I feel very working class. 
along those lines. It's like, you know, you... Well, we were talking about this as well, about class as well, and about how you are still working class. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're... you're um, You've, you're, you know, what you've managed to achieve, what you've managed, to, you've, you've elevated yourself, you know, in your life, maybe not your life, lifestyle is the wrong word, but you have a better, you know, um, what do you call it, uh, standard of living. Oh, yeah. Than working class now. Yeah, oh, yeah, far, yeah. By far. Yeah. But, like you were saying with the, with the country clubs, you're still not in some other class. No. You're still a working class person. Yeah, I'm a working class dude. To, but you've managed to elevate your lifestyle or your, your standard of living to where you have this experience you know this realm of experience the kind of vast realm of experience that most people from my because i've come from a similar background from from our background never are, are able to even dream of yeah it's kind of phenomenal you know you got to be happy with what you get not with what you think you should get um i was always very very uh, excited by the things that worked uh never thought that i was owed anything ever um there's a way as long as you're not comparing yourself to whatever it is you consider to be phenomenal success, everything is fine. Yeah. You know? yeah, I, mean, yeah. I haven't had a, a regular job, which a straight job since 1988. I consider that a success. It doesn't mean I've always had a lot of money, right. but I have been able to make my living without anybody underwriting what I'm doing since 1988. Or taking a you cut. Know? Like people aren't really taking cuts of your money. Uh, a little bit. We have a booking agent, and you know the record label takes their percentage or whatever, but we just are very careful. I'm very careful about it. I'm very, um, I have an odd way of looking at finance, uh, an odd way of looking at how things work along those lines, and it's always worked. Doesn't mean I was confidently moving forward like I knew everything in the world, but there were just things that I just didn't think were gonna make any sense, that made, made no sense to me, and, and so far so good, you know? How about the, is it the, kind of the same attitude toward the music itself? I've always made music that I've always assumed that I had good taste in music and that if I made music that I liked, then there would be other people that liked it. It didn't mean that it was going to be millions of people, but it would be enough. Yeah. You know, as long as I didn't start thinking I'm going to make something that people will like, I don't know what people will like. I know what I like. And I'm also not being perverse. I'm going to perversely do something weird. I'm not. Mm -hmm. No, I like weird stuff. I like lots of weird yeah. stuff. That's not, that's just, but I'd not, never do anything I, do, I wouldn't buy. But not weird on purpose. No. Not, not weird as, like, this, as that's the primary characteristic. No, not Just at all. Weird. I like that kind of stuff. You know, it's somewhere between the knack and throbbing gristle. <laughs> it's like all points in between. I think there's room for that. You know, I mean, I've never, once in a while I agree with the general public and go, yes, I understand why millions of people bought this, but usually that's just not the case with music or food or movies or anything. And it's not because I don't want that to be the case. I'm not beavering away trying to not sell millions of records. You know, it just <laughs> doesn't not, happen. That's not your goal. No, that's your not goal. my goal. <laughs> no, you know, I'm gonna try to not, I'm gonna try to make things that no one wants. It's like that's that's not it at all. Mm. And and it's always amazing to me that people would, especially reviewers, which uh, you know, uh, Lou Reed said something that was really great, which I, I really liked. He's like, I always wondered what kind of a person wants to be a critic. I want to criticize someone else's work, you know, and it's like, it's like, there's so, especially with bad reviews, so little understanding of the history of what we're doing, of why we do what we're doing, of everything that came before us, meaning that how has meaning into what you're doing now, mm -hmm. like they just, just, it's just beyond them, and it's, it's so weird to me, it's like, okay, I mean, I always wanted to start a magazine that 
only had stuff in it that I liked. If I didn't like it, it's not in here. That's the way to do it. <laughs> because I don't, I, the easiest thing in the world for me to do is to tear stuff apart it's, it's, all day. You, you know, know, I could sit here and, like, I remember when the, they started a new Vanity Fair or they started in New York or whatever. Like, like I could go into anything and I could say what was wrong with it. Right. But to go in and say, like, like how this could thing could be better or whatever, it's, it's an argument I've had my entire life yeah. in different places where I've been the creative, the director or whatever. Like, right. Like, a marketing person will come in. And the marketing person will decide, you know what, here's what you need to do to get this wider audience. And they said, nah, you know. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but, like, you know, if you're going to do a movies or, or music, it's like, well, we didn't review it because we didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> no, we don't write about that band because we don't like that band. Yeah. Or whatever. You know, that, that seems a lot more fun to me to write about things that you love. You know, when you get you know? to, like, literary criticism, it's even more yeah, than yeah. us. Because there's some aspect of it where they're trying to, it seems to me that there are a lot of these critics are trying to show that they're smarter than the writer. Right. That they're better at yeah. understanding the theme than the writer who's pursuing the theme. Yes. And the writer isn't necessarily saying they understand this theme. The, the writer is pursuing the theme. The writer's trying to figure out, what does this mean to me? How can I make this mean something else? You know, yeah. how, can I, how can I bring out what this means to me? Yeah. Not necessarily saying that this is the correct thing, especially with fiction. You know, you're not saying this is the correct worldview. You're saying this is the worldview. This is this is these are some circumstances. Here's what it means to me. And then yeah. like a critic will go and just say what you've got wrong about this. Yeah, you, yeah. You, it's not a case of being wrong. It's it's like it's like this particular perspective and how it experiences this the reality, yeah. whatever it is. So it's kind of nuts. It's kind of nuts. Yeah. I read this thing from Flannery O'Connor, and she was talking about people who critiqued Wise Blood. And she's like, what they don't understand is that every single word is exactly where it's supposed to be in that book. And if you don't like it, it's because you don't like my writing. Yeah, Not there because you go. I did it wrong. There you go. You know. You just don't like my writing. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah, just, you just don't like my point of you view. You don't like it. We yeah. don't have the same point of view. You shouldn't be reviewing this book yeah. because you don't have this point of view. Right. You, ha you like um, that movie, Friends with Money. You like that movie. Yeah. So you're not gonna like my book. Right, you're not right. gonna like my point of view. I yeah. don't, you know, and I'm not gonna like your point of view. Yeah, I love that Maybe conviction, though. Like, you know, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, well, she's convinced that every single thing is exactly where it should be. Well, I'm sure that's the way you feel <laughs> about right. a lot of stuff you've done as well. You know, not everything, but like, yeah, a lot of it. You could go yeah. back and change this or that, sure, but, but yeah. all the same, it's where it's supposed to be. I mean, mm -hmm. there's a, like something went into putting it there. No one's thought about it more than me. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. No kidding. It's been very worried over, you know, yeah. for a long time yeah. before you, anyone ever hears it. <laughs> and uh, that's okay. You know, I, I, you know, you, you make this stuff, whatever it is, whatever creative thing you're doing, and you release it to the world and you walk away from it. There's, and you that's know, I it, don't just you know? walk away from it. I can't, I can't help it. I kind of like want to know what people are doing. I, I do too. I want to know how people are like, yeah. and also, I want them to be impressed. This is like my big, one of my biggest failings. In, in what I do, like anything I write, like I want people to be impressed. And sometimes that wrecks what I'm writing because I'm trying to write something that's impressive. And it goes back to what you were saying about trying to make music that people are going to like. And there's no point in it. I can't do it. Yeah, well, the, well with me, there's no point in trying <laughs> yeah. to impress anybody because, yeah. I mean, people aren't there to be impressed. And that's not their yeah. role. It's, yeah. You can't do it anyway. You can't, you know, you can please some of them. Yeah. And some people are, are going to get it. And it's always it. What I, most of most of our reviews are good, and and some people write something where you're like, it's extraordinary how well you understand this. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's great. Yeah. I have done it. I have accomplished yeah. what I wanted to do. I've gotten because that there it is. I've you gotten know? that a little bit, and it's really yeah. gratifying. Right. It's like someone so, who's like, like, it's like, there was a guy that put out a magazine that was everything he had, and there was something I liked. Yeah. And there's another guy, like, certain people who everything they like is something I liked. And then they what they said about what I had done was just so gratifying. It's such a relief. Yeah. Because oh, when I put something out like I'm really tense. Like I have this book come out. I'm really, I really have a lot of anxiety about whether or not I got across what I'm hoping to get across, or whether or not like I missed. <clears throat> and and sometimes like the miss means that uh, it's 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 gonna hurt someone's feeling. It's it's gonna miss. You know, it's just it's just. Yep. It's, so <clears throat> when someone actually is you know feed gives me this this feedback that they that yeah yeah that they got what I was saying. This is really a long way of saying something. This is really a garbled statement I'm making here, but it feels good to, to be understood. Just yeah, it feels understood. good, you know. But I mean, I can't. But get I think it. that goes back to like second, you know, whatever. All my life, I've just wanted to be understood. I wanted to be able to say something and be understood. Yeah. Not necessarily agreed with. Not necessarily then brought into the house or. Yeah. Even more important to me, I think, than impressing someone is just to be understood. Just understand me. Yeah, so, if you, it, it, sometimes that doesn't even happen, you know. No, not there's nothing at all. you can do about it. Not at all. Some people are just never going to, never. You're never going to get through to them. They can't get past. Like, a lot of times with people that that I'm meeting, especially in the straight world, initially they are completely disturbed by me, by the way I look, by the way, by you know whatever it is, and eventually, once they get to know me, they love me. <laughs> it's like it's yeah. it's funny you know it's like at this place where i learned to play golf like this this little place i won them all over eventually but it was not easy to do and now i i love everybody there loves me knows me by name they're all very happy to see me and ask me what i'm doing and all these things like that but that wasn't easy to do and it took some more realization from them and less me trying to lead them along. I just did what I did. Right. I just be who I am, and eventually they warm up to it. You show up in your <laughs> black clothes. Yeah. You just go ahead. You do your thing. Whack away at that fucking ball. Do your thing. You know, and 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 it's it's it works. But well, it's that, not easy. It's not an easy sell. You yeah, know? but you do have like that that uh, common fixation, that common interest in, the, in whacking that ball oh yeah yeah so you follow that yeah this would be like the groundskeepers all the people that work there yeah. i know i know all of, all of them at this one particular and now i've moved to a different place i know, know everybody there now people like people you know? who show up people like people yeah who continue showing up yeah and but i'm nice to them like you know? even someone who initially like robbed you completely the wrong way but they keep showing up something yeah. about it yeah you know you, you you've, you've made the same commitment like you yeah. have this parallel commitment so there's yeah about that. it's really funny too because they'll i'll make friends with some of them and I don't talk about what I do for a living. And it might, sometimes it's been like a couple of years and then they figure out. Then they're really intrigued. Like, what? You like playing music? I was like, I don't go in. I'm a musician, you know? Yeah. I don't talk about that. Yeah. I just, you're just some weirdo. And like, there's this one guy that I was really good friends with. Um, he was like, I knew that you were either an artist or the weirdest guy who worked at Kinko's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like right. right there. That's it. You know, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I I do agree. You know, it was like that's right. That's what it is. But uh, you know, I, I I a long time ago stopped thinking that that I needed to prove anything to anyone. That I need I didn't I don't need their approval. I'm very happy with who I am and what, what, me and my skin and my and my life at home and 
who I'm married to and what my house looks like and what it's like when I, you know, how I do my work and the people that I play with and all those sorts of things are, are really great and I want for very little as you far as that's concerned. You have a really tight core of who you play with. I mean, you, yeah. you, you've, you've been rotating out bassists and you've yeah. been rotating out, you had, had an add-on drummer at one point, and, mm -hmm. but you and Dale. Yeah. How, you know, Solid. Yeah. And it yeah. goes back to what, you were 14? How old were you when you met? Dale was about 16. I was about 19 or 20. And you, went, you went to the same high school? No, uh, I went to a. I lived in a little tiny school or a little tiny town in west south or no southwest um, or um, Washington State, sort of southwest, um, on the coast. And he, li I lived in a town of about 2,000 people. He lived in a town of about, I don't know, maybe 12,000. Oh, a giant town. He lived yeah, in he lived in Metropolis, yeah, yeah, a big city. Yeah. Um, uh, town I lived in had one stoplight, and uh, I knew all the cops by name. And they uh, had little, uh, uh, wanted a little, t I wanted a little to do with them, and, and they made sure to try to make my life as miserable as possible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they knew. They knew exactly what the deal was. You know? <laughs> and uh, they didn't have a lot to do. And as a result of my upbringing in that town, I, uh, you know, I really don't like small town anywhere. That's not my thing. I like the massiveness of a, of a, a urban environment where I feel much more at home being completely isolated in the middle of the millions. There's also like the you know? thing where there's more people, like, like Los Angeles is, I like Los Angeles because there's more oddballs here. Like Los oh, yeah. Angeles has a good mix of sort of oddballs. Yeah. The weirdest place on earth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think. Yeah, people know. come here with whatever they're pursuing, and then there's it's it's what is a there's there's a there's a spectrum of them. They're all like in New York, you go there, everybody's pursuing something. They're all like, this is where the smartest people in the country go. But they are there's very uniform. So there's a conformity there that Los Angeles still kind of does not have that extent of conformity. I kind of realized after 20 years, more than 20, 25 years of being here, that there's still a really large element of oakiness to this place. Oh, yeah. Huge amount of it. Yeah, I'm kind of like, I have sort of an oaky background, from, yeah. you know, from the Great Plains or whatever. Yeah, you can really tell. Displaced farmer. My father was a displaced farmer. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. It still feels that way. Yeah. It still feels like it's where you go to start over. There's a <laughs> lot know? of that. Yeah, it yeah. feels like it. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is like, I bought a house about 22 years ago here. Um, and everybody told me that it was stupid and it was too expensive and that uh, you're out of your mind. And now I didn't tell you that you didn't. But no. everybody, everybody else, everybody, almost everybody else, except my wife's parents. But now, what do they say? If you want to buy a house in LA, you're stupid. You're out of your mind. It's too expensive. <laughs> it's, yeah. like it's never not been like right. that. Right. It's the same thing. It you is know? worse though. It seems way worse. I got, like, it okay. seemed. I didn't think I was getting a good deal then. I thought it was. I didn't look at it like, oh, the deal of the century. It was a lot of money. It was I, a terrible I, amount. I don't know if I can you know? even get a deal now. I mean, yeah, like, yeah. like I could, even at like, my peak earning with my wife's peak earning, I don't know where I would get. Like we were really lucky. But well, no, interest rates are really high, so it's cheap to buy or harder to buy money. Yeah. It was harder to sell stuff. My first entry, my first mortgage was ten and a half percent. Nobody remembers that. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> you gotta re, you gotta refinance after that. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I've been with you a few times and you've been recognized. It was. Oh yeah, yeah. Was, it's hard. It's not hard to do. No, it's not hard to do. But it was really great. When was at Disneyland? Because you know mm. you have. I don't know if you still go. But you used to go to Disneyland all the time. Ooh, yeah, I haven't been there in a while. Teresa and I one time, yeah. and we went with you and Mackie. Mm -hmm. We're walking along, and I'm seeing these people coming toward us, and I saw this family. It was a mom, a dad, a daughter. And a son, and the kids, like the boy, looked like he was like 
somewhere around 14 or 15 years old, and he was very disgruntled, very unhappy to be at Disneyland. Disneyland was not cool, yeah. you know? He's walking along. He wanted to be stoned. <laughs> yeah, he might have been, yeah. yeah, not quite as stoned as he wanted to <laughs> yeah, be. Yeah. You know, I think it was pre-edible, so whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I saw him, like, he looked up, and I saw him see you and kind of actualize. Like, he, I saw him see you, and then, like, he became happy at seeing you. But then he wouldn't let that happiness show because he didn't want his parents to think yeah, that he was happy. I mean, I may have read, yeah, yeah, the, read yeah, yeah. the whole thing into it, but I, you know, I've been that kid. Yeah, oh, and yeah. I saw it was one of the best uh, like sightings of, of uh, someone you, you, yeah. you kind of you know I've ever seen. And another time was at Dodger Stadium when uh, um, one of the guys that worked there, yeah. the vendor, came up to you and had you sign baseball. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, like all these dudes around us are going like. Why is he signing? Why yeah, is he going there? Yeah. Signing What's the baseballs? The Why is he the signing the baseballs? Why aren't they throwing him out? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, that's a thing. You know, it's like it's like I've got to be friends with lots of people that work at Dodger Stadium just because <laughs> because I was I just I went him over by being nice yeah. and not being arrogant. Yeah. And if people want, uh, I heard a thing that Getty Lee said from Rush. And he goes, "If people are nice, I have time for them." Yeah. I feel the same way. You know, if you're if you're an asshole, I have no time for you. If you're nice to me, I'll, I really appreciate the fact that you like what I'm doing or are interested in me at all. Because there was a large part of my life where that was not the case. Yeah, I know what you mean. You know, and I feel very grateful for that. And there's a thing that I heard, well, I've heard it for a long time, but is that you cannot be happy without being grateful for what you have. It's not possible. It's like people who are unhappy are never grateful. And it's not, po it's only, you I, cannot be happy without being grateful for what you have. Yeah, I, I you think. Know? To distill it even more, like if, if you're ungrateful, you're never going to be happy. If you you're never going to be if happy. If you can't find something, yeah, some reason right. to be grateful, then you, there's no way you're going to be happy. Nothing will make you happy. Yeah. Nothing can make you happy. And so I look at all that kind of stuff. I look at everything I've been in, through in my life. I look at where I came from, which was nothing. And I am very grateful for where I'm at. And I feel that, you know, life could have went a whole different direction for me, yeah, you know. Too. And I, I don't take that lightly. I feel mine still you know? could. Look good, you know. I mean, even like getting married, it's like, you know, there's another saying I like, which is at least you talked one person into believing your bullshit. You know? <laughs> yeah, like, right. But they stop. The thing about marriage is they, you know, they, yeah. like a little ways down the road, yeah. they're like reevaluating everything. Yeah, but you and do the same thing. And they won't admit yeah. it. They won't yeah. admit to reevaluating yeah, yeah. everything. But they are. Yeah. So well, I mean, you know, so me then you got to recalibrate. You got to recalibrate yeah. how you fit together. It's 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 yeah. it's, a, it's a tricky thing being married. Well, I, I remember when I first was was contemplating getting married, and I was like, okay, well, what if something bad happens? Like, you know, like they say, for better or worse. Like she's burned up in a car accident, and you know, her whole body is completely burned. Can you make that work? And I'm looking at her, and I go, I, I can make that work. <laughs> I can I, I can make that work. I'll be okay with that. And I was like, when you're questioning that kind of thing, I don't think you should get married. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Because something is going to happen. You know, Something's going to gonna happen. There's going to be difficult. Yeah. No matter what. Yeah. 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 There's going to be stretches. Like, and it's not like it's like a, there was an afternoon that was disrupted. There's going to be stretches where you know you have to show up. You have to show up. Well, show up. we always laugh that um, uh, um, we're both very stubborn, but. And we have problems, but none, nothing is a divorceable offense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like at the end of the day, it's like neither one of us are going anywhere. And then we have this other joke that's like, 
divorce, we're not splitting anything because one of us is going to be dead. <laughs> That's it. It's winner take all, you know? I was like, right, so you, you better be on guard, <laughs> b- both, both of you, you know. You can flee. Okay, maybe you flee. You, you may flee. You may not divorce. Yeah, no. Yeah. You, know, you might disappear. You might abscond. Yeah, yeah, right, disappear. We don't know what happened to her or, or him. You know? <laughs> no, there you go. You know, either way. You know? My wife did take a, uh, um, she's done this twice where she took these anatomy classes where she went and they di- take a week to dissect an entire corpse down to nothing. From full down to the skeleton, and then it got to she, both times it got to where they have to cut the top off the skull. And there is there any volunteers? And no one volunteers. And she goes, "I'll do it." <laughs> so I'm like, so okay, so we know that you can cut up a body. You know, we know that about you. Where you know? is she going to do that? She went to San Francisco and did it. San Francisco. And um, she said it was really cool because what they did was they, it wasn't so much like this is just tissue. This is this is like this is a human being. Yeah. And they're like honoring. This is a human being who donated their body for us to do this, and and, and always keeping in mind. It's not someone just grabbed off the street. Like, might be. Like it might be. Cold, like Could be. Cold snap. Yeah, I don't something. know. I don't know. Maybe the guy's a. Think it warm in time. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. He could be lying. Um, uh, but I, I thought that was kind of cool. It's not just some you know meat hanging there. And then they look at it a little no, differently. You had no desire to go along with her and participate in this, or uh, you have some separate interests, I guess. Well, I, I think she did it more along the lines of being able to understand anatomy better when she's teaching yoga, yoga, which I totally respect. I mean, I I find women that are independent and busy very attractive. I don't want someone who's going to be an ornament. Yeah. I want someone who has their own. I oftentimes see that with couples, and I go, I want to go to one or the other one. What is it you do? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Aside from ordering food in a restaurant and buying hippie clothes online, what does your life consist of? You know, because I, I wish you had more on your mind. You know, <laughs> whatever it is, I, I like that. I like the fact that um, that. Uh, uh, I guess in like in your line of work, there's a lot of that. There's a lot. Well, some of some amount yeah. of it. Yeah. You know, I mean, if something some goes amount, wrong at home, amount. I don't have to worry about it. My wife can take care of it. Yeah. And I, I just, you know, I just couldn't, I couldn't deal otherwise. I'm busy. I got things going on. I'm doing my part. You have to do your part. If I was home, I would take care of it. Yeah. Whatever it may capable. be. Capable. You know. But we're a good team. It's good. We're both freaks. We're both, um, you know. Uh, but we're, you know, heavily devoted to making this work. So. Your musical taste of. Yep. A lot of overlap there. A lot of, a lot of similar similarities there. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in the A column that I couldn't uh, uh, couldn't deny, you know, from the beginning. And to me, I'm very realistic about who I am. And there's one thing for sure, which is that women that are willing to put up with me and what I do for a living do not grow on trees. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, it's, and it's back to the working class thing where, like, a woman who can actually sustain a marriage with a long-haul trucker. Because yeah. you're going Make it work. on end. You're Make it work. On yeah. You know, take care of this stuff at home. Yep. Not create an extra kind of burden on the guy who's away. Yeah. But su- support, long-distance support is not an easy thing to give. And someone who's yep. managed to do that is, is kind of hard to find. Yep. I, I say this when I was a kid because my dad was uh, moving. He had a moving company and there was dr- all these driver couples. Oh, yeah. He knew all, I knew all these like long, these truckers, these drivers. People do it all the time. And you have to make it work. And like the guys I play with, two of them have kids. Wives and kids at home, and they, you know, they have to make it work. And that's I, I understand. I don't have kids, but um, uh, I understand, you know, how that, what it's like to be away, and what it's like to be responsible. And I like all that stuff. I always felt like I want to lead a very conservative life and let my craziness come out in my work. Yeah. That makes more sense to me. I don't waste it in ways that are, you know. We had a, okay. I'm almost, we're almost. We've been talking for a half an hour. Okay. <laughs> but here's this thing: is. Uh, the other day I was talking to you and we 
I started telling you about this book about after I, it's all about after I'm dead and you started talking about legacy yeah about how you feel about legacy you know the older I get the less I care about legacy the more I want to I want to enjoy that now I mean honestly you know if, if everything was gone the second I died it wouldn't really bother me you know people well, how do you want to be I do tons of interviews all the time they ask how do you want to be perceived blah blah I don't care how I'm perceived I really don't care you know, if they want to perceive me in some way that I'm not, there's nothing I can do about that anyway, you know. You're not going to set up the Buzz Osborne Library? No, I can't see that happening, you know. Uh, my wife had a really, we were doing our will not too long ago, and, like, uh, um, they ask you a lot of questions, like, what do you want to do with your body? Oh, uh, um, incinerated. And, and my wife's like, yeah, I want, my, I want to be incinerated as well. What do you want to do with the ashes? Like, I don't know, throw in the garbage. I don't know. Do you have to do any? Well, no, we have to do something. Okay, so my wife says... We want the ashes mixed together into a brick, made into a brick, and we want the brick taken to the nearest police station and thrown through the front window. <laughs> it's like the, the lawyer sits there and he's, he's looking at us, and he just sits there for a few seconds and then just leans down and writes it all down. I was like, I was like, have you, is that the weirdest thing you've ever heard for that kind of thing? He's like, no, it's not the weirdest. <laughs> But I was like, right then, I was like, I married the right woman. That's the right yeah, answer. Yeah, yeah. That's no, the thing, you know. Right. Especially off the cuff like that. Yeah, well, I think she talked about it before, but then to bring oh, it up, in, oh, to bring it up in front of a lawyer, and I was like, that's what we want to do. It's like, right, that's what we want to do. I want to ask you one more question. It's about books. Yeah. And like, like, I guess there's two kinds of musicians. One kind, working musicians. One kind, on tour, they read books. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when I first met you, I believe you only read nonfiction. And I might you, have. And then you started reading fiction. And yeah. I, I believe it was around Flannery O'Connor. Is that? Yeah. I read a lot of nonfiction when I was a kid. Um, things like uh, uh, Call of the Wild were a really big deal to me. I thought that the idea that it was written by the, uh, from the perspective of the dog was really cool. And um, books like that are like uh, Burroughs, except Edgar Rice Burroughs. And, uh, <laughs> stuff like that meant a lot to me. And um, so it wasn't like I'd never read that stuff. But then I got into a period of time, probably right around when I was really into reading science books and, and books about politics and things like that. And, and, and then I have moved, uh, you know, into a lot more fiction now. But, uh, yeah, I love Philip Fanner O'Connor. I love that stuff and lots of other stuff. What are you, you, know? re what are you reading recently? Recently, I've been reading, uh, what's the guy that wrote Under the Volcano? Uh, oh, Malcolm Lowry. Ma Malcolm Lowry. Uh, partially been reading that one uh plus i have a kindle so i read parts of books all the time depending on i have my house is full of books mm -hmm. and uh i'll spend um a lot of time just picking up books and reading certain chapters out of them and lots of that like, kind of stuff like chapters you've read before or yeah chapters? chapters i've read before and then there's one book that i never go anywhere without which is uh, g gordon liddy's autobiography will <laughs> i have a copy of that book that's been around the world more than once you know I think it's it's a that book, that book is is amazing. I think it's I, it's I highly recommend it to anyone. Not so much that it's a literary gen, literary genius or anything, but the uh, that guy is the kind of guy that I want to be. You know, he's like, well, why didn't you talk when when they got because that was my job, to not talk. To not talk. And you go and like what? You know, yeah. I wasn't about to, I wasn't going to snitch for no. anyone. No, I got paid. That's what I signed up that's for. Like, that's like hookers. Hookers are right. supposed to not talk. Right. Yeah. So that's part of the price. Yeah. So they don't talk. Right. They're always showing up talking. <laughs> they don't want to talk. <laughs> if they want to talk, you don't want them around. You yeah. know? I would imagine. <laughs> but uh, uh, I think that that guy, he's taking a lot of heat. But man, if, if you read that book, I don't know how you can't come away with it with some 
without something that is that you can use in your own life. Is he still alive? I think, I think he's still alive. Yeah. But you know, he made he made unlikely friends. Like he, he and Timothy Leary became oh, yeah. really close friends. He's no dummy. Yeah. You know? Also, he doesn't have like some kind of like ideology that, that cuts out other people. Like mm-hmm. he's able to have like these like really great relations, you know, deep friendships with people yeah. who you would think that they were completely opposed. Yeah. So well, th- th- I think that's a good that's a sign of real intelligence when yeah. you, can, you don't. Like, like someone said, you can hold two opposing ideas at the same time. That's that's a good one. But then when you can also have like friends with completely opposing worldviews. Oh, I do. I think that's the way to go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, a good writer can write the positive side of anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> good or bad, regardless. And I was my in our band. We had this girl, uh, Lori. Her mom was Shirley Temple, and and you talk you talk about somebody like Will Shirley Temple could not have been a bigger. She could not have been a bigger Republican. Could not have been. And we would be at her house and we'd be talking about political stuff. And finally, she would just sigh. And it'd be like, what? She goes, you have to understand that I, publicly, I am the biggest Republican in the world. But privately, partisan politics are for plebes. <laughs> you understand that. This is a divide and conquer thing. We understand that. And, and that the general public understands that we're in real trouble. The general public is not really picking up on that. <laughs> They're not picking up on that. You, you don't have, Facebook, decide, you don't you have, you don't have yeah. Facebook. You no, don't have uh-uh. Instagram. But it's so evident that the general public is not picking up on the yeah. fact that partisan politics is for plebes. It's for plebes and dummies. Yeah. You know, she's like, we all it's go to the same colleges. We all have the same lawyers. What are you guys thinking? Yeah. We win no matter what you do. It's a division of the entertainment complex. Yeah, you know she knew that she was no dummy, and 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 uh, uh, I believe her. Yeah, <laughs> I have no reason to not believe her. Wasn't she, wasn't yeah. she like a this ambassador to Ghana, ambassador to Czechoslovakia, um, you know, George Nations Bush coming to their senior coming to their house for dinner? Yeah. But none of that affected her. Yeah. It's different than what people think. These people are not evil. They're just people. Yeah. <laughs> they're just people. Yeah, they're, part, you know? they're, they're part of a mechanism. And if you, if you lined them up with, this, with the equivalent top-notch Democrats, there is no difference. Yeah. You look at them. If somebody came down from another planet, they would be like, what are you talking about? You know, it's like that Star Trek episode. I'm white on this side. He's white on the other side. You know, it's like, right. Yeah, nobody gets it. It's just, I think that's where people are wrong, you know? I, I try not to fall prey to that. Yeah. And just go, I have to think, I have to think way beyond, outside of the box on this because I'm not going to play those games with people. I don't want to get in fights with people about this stuff because no. it's so pointless. It's pointless. They win no matter what. Yeah. And as long as you don't get involved in that, I think that you can come away with something that's going to be more valuable in your life than arguing this bullshit, you know? Yeah, because you can kind of see ways to make something happen. You yeah. Say, you can see ways to help. You can see ways to be... Help, yeah, helpful, I guess, is the word. Yeah, I mean, people are just... I've said it from the beginning. Yeah, Trump's elected. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Nothing is going to happen, and nothing is going to change. <laughs> nothing. You know, when it comes down to it, nothing. Nothing. My, uh, We're in the same boat that we've ever been in, and that's not going to ever change. My 401k yeah. is going up. What was that? My 401k is, is going up. It's going crazy right now. Yeah, but I mean, you know, in our lifetime, I think we were talking about this before. You know, I mean, we think about how much things have changed just since we've known each other. Would we have guessed at the when we met that within two decades you you could legally smoke pot at a gay wedding? Yeah. (laughs) Or that you can go on your phone and get any movie in the world. Anything you want. Have it go up onto your TV from your phone. Yeah. That to me is an even bigger amazing. Yeah. But it's just you know things are never going to be how we imagine, and I love that. Yeah. 
know, I mean, it's just, it's just life is beautiful. To me, especially when I think about life, it's beautiful. Again, and, that, that's, that's all entertainment. Like the, you yeah. know, smoking weed is, is entertainment. Yeah. Like, like all this, all the technology is geared toward just keeping you kind of entertained and keeping you engaged in something that's really not going to uh, challenge this, this, uh, political class or whatever else. I well, mean, that's nothing new. Yeah, you know? you're just, you're there. I don't think that, I think they do the same thing. They certainly are not afraid of drinking. That's, no. that's for sure. Which which brings me to like, you know, with weed and all these drugs and everything. Uh, I can't remember who was saying recently, they were like, can't we just get back to some good old-fashioned alcoholism? <laughs> <laughs> I miss that. Just good old-fashioned alcoholism. It's like, right, right, you know. Tried and true. Yeah, tried and true. <laughs> you know, because I mean, a lot of this stuff, who knows what will happen. I don't know. It's, don't know, it's anybody's yeah. guess. But I feel like the immediate after effects, like I feel like uh, weed is a little bit of a harm reduction from alcohol. Like you get less of the car crashes. You get less of the assaults. You get less of the that kind of... But having you said get, that... You black out on weed. And, but having said that, though, I've never, never been more inebriated than smoking pot and drinking. Yeah. No, that's the... That's I was a, out of my mind. Mix. That's a terrible mix. Out of my mind. No, that's like when you just... Look, you start yeah. vomiting and can't oh, yeah. you're just swirling around vomiting as you spin. Yeah, yeah. it's it's. I've never. I, I don't know that I've ever been. I've. That's at least as as wasted. Just it, just it's if you like just go both. by inebriation, yeah. that's as bad as any. And it's totally fine with people. Very, it's accepted. Just, yeah, just, I mean, if I drank five beers in high school and and, and smoked pot, I was on my lips. Yeah. I was wasted, ready for the hospital. You, know, you have to smoke the weed first and I then guess. put the beer on, put the alcohol yeah, on top. Yeah, yeah. This is what I learned. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't, I, you know, I learned it, but I couldn't really practice it. Yeah. I just think it's funny, though, that that's, that that level of intoxication is totally socially accepted. Yeah, I it's think like, it's okay. It depends on where you are. <laughs> but you know what I mean? No, it's not illegal. No. To be not that, that no. to get I that yeah. out of your mind yeah. is fine. Yeah. I've heard people say, oh, he was a heroin addict, but now he's just smoking pot and drinking. I was just thinking, well, I've never been more wasted. <laughs> It's like, wow, that's an e-ticket as far as I'm concerned. Wow, you're okay with that. You think that's fine. Okay. Everything's backwards. Everything's weird. And, and you know, I'm one of these guys that thinks, I, I don't think, I think we agree that uh, I don't think it's anybody's business what I do. Or, and I don't think it's, anybody, it's my business to tell someone else what to do. If you want to destroy your life with drugs or alcohol, I'm fine with that. But don't expect me to pick up the pieces once you've done it. You know, I'll give you all the freedom in the world. Yeah. And I think that's the key out of this. You know, is 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 total freedom. I feel the you same know? way. I, I feel like sh everything should be available, and, and not just drugs like that. I th I think everything. You well, want to take anabolic like steroids? You go ahead. Yeah. You know, I don't see any reason why you shouldn't be allowed to do it. You know, I mean, they don't know. They don't know what they're talking about. It's like it's like oh, we went to a doctor. Okay, well, what do you call the guy who graduated at the bottom of his class in medical school? A doctor. You know, I mean, people shop for cars. With more care than they do doctors. They it's, shop with cars, put cars with more care than what they'll put into their body. Oh, yeah. You know, without any problems. So I, I just, I think it's just, it's a mess. And also, if you legalized all that stuff, it seems to me, and I'm certainly no expert, wouldn't that put the drug cartels out of business? Well, or nearly. Maybe, or maybe they would in the pharmaceutical companies. I read this thing in Time Magazine about 20 years ago, that, you know, the mafia, where they, when they started cleansing their money, they started going straight. They put it into a number of things. They put it into waste. Recycling. They put it into magazine distribution, which mm. must be not that great now. Yeah, yeah. They put it into new car dealerships. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they, like, like, what a surprise. Yeah, what a surprise. <laughs> and then they put it really heavily into pharmaceuticals. Oh, yeah, yeah. That so makes sense. Pharmaceutical companies, like, I mean, this, this was 20 years ago. It was well reported. But if you kind of look at the way pharmaceutical companies behave and the way they, what they push and the products they make, it, it's, it's a little bit... Uh, yeah, it could be. Funny. I don't know much about that. I mean... 
I always love it when people go, I don't think that stuff should be made with the idea that they're going to make a profit. Okay, then it won't be well, made. Make a profit, make all the then it won't be profit. made then. Yeah, you yeah. can't make any money on it. Nobody's going to do yeah, it. But the thing is, like, <laughs> like with, this, with the, the opioid thing, right? Every single pill, every single pill, every, you know, pills that, that have, every single pill they make a profit on. Yeah. Whether it's used by someone who... It doesn't know, make any difference. doesn't make any difference. But they want to go, we're going to clamp down. It's like, okay, fine. When I lived in San Francisco, I knew guys that had jars full of that stuff. Where'd they get it? Right from the distributor. They didn't go to a doctor. It's like, are, you, are they kidding? That's not how we're going to do this. No. You know, you're not going to be able to stop this. Okay, well, we could just switch to heroin. That's been illegal forever. <laughs> it's never, well, yeah, you know, yeah, for so a long you, time. You meet these guys. Have who, no problem buying that. Well, you, you meet know? these guys who are methadone. Yeah. You know, they get off of methadone, yeah. they go back to heroin. Because yeah. heroin is easier to kick the methadone yeah. than the, yeah. from what I'm... Well, it's just, it's just, I think the methadone's easier as far as the distribution of it. You don't have to worry about needles and... No, but to, to get off. To oh, get I know. Off. Most of them never get off. Yeah. They're not going to get off, yeah. no matter no matter what you do. You know? yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, there's no answer along those I'm lines. I'm a friend who kicked methadone while living in a van. <laughs> and I feel like this is like the guy, like he's accomplished something that's beyond anything anyone else I really know. From everything I've heard, that's like a seven-month kick or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. And it's also no. You'd be ready to kill yourself. It's, like, it's what? It's been known to trigger schizophrenia. Oh, well, like, what a surprise! Yeah. You know, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's uh, uh, I know, but I mean, even, even kicking stuff like booze will kill you. You know, alcoholics or I mean, uh, heroin addicts will tell you they're going to die, but they never die. Well, uh, <laughs> Sometimes the thing Alcohol about, alcoholics are going to convulsions and just croak. Well, the thing about Jerry Garcia, for instance, yeah, yeah. Is he went to rehab. And he never used again. Yeah, yeah he didn't. That's <laughs> he true. Used again. We end on that. They were right. Job. Sounds good. That sounds right. good. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. Do you have anything you need to talk about? Anything Anything coming up that you want to talk about? Any release? Any? Uh... Well, we had a record come out recently called uh, um, Pinkus Abortion Technician with uh, Jeff Pinkus from the Butthole Servers and Steve McDonald from Red Cross, both playing on it. We're doing a tour coming up in Europe. We did a big U.S. tour. We got a whole bunch of stuff planned for next year. Uh, I like really like playing with those guys. They're an eclectic group of weirdos and that's exactly the kind of people i want around me for making music yeah. is there anywhere anyone can go online to grab to yeah you can find it okay just, you put, you just put in melvin's melvin's pinkest abortion technician you should be able to find it or, or one of any 20 plus albums of ours <laughs> okay. All right. thank you buzz yeah thank you this edition of Skeevland is presented with encouragement and assistance by rare bird books if you want to know more about the skeeve or alan mcdonnell or rare bird books Go to theskeeve.com and rarebirdbooks.com. Thanks again to Tyson Cornell, Julie Callahan, and Jake Levins. Skeeveland, there's worse places you could be.